Now don't you worry, Daddy's home. Welcome back to the Dad and Rock Podcast. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, we're back here again, and uh, you and I watched The Boys Season 2, at least the episodes that are out currently, episodes 1 through 4 as of right now, and we're going to talk about it this week. Oh, is that what we're going to do? Okay, so we're going we're gonna to talk about the boys. <laughs> we're just going to dive right in. <laughs> yeah, we're not really, you know, we're not going to shy away from this. We're going to jump full force. Uh, yeah, it was a boring week. Nothing else happened for us. Yeah, nothing, you know, family-wise, nothing down those lines. So uh, <laughs> uh, did you watch all of them when they first dropped on that Friday? No, I couldn't because I was moving that Friday um, so as much as I wanted to. So I kind of had, I was on a delay a bit. I didn't start watching them. I kind of caught caught up throughout the week i was taking my lunch breaks and uh watching like an episode a day starting wednesday and it kind of caught up to me so by the time friday rolled around i was ready for episode four yeah and i'll see i dropped it i sat down and i stayed up till like one in the morning family was in bed yeah and i was like i just kind of went through all of them and i i almost wanted to start over i was like okay i gotta go to bed i'm old one o'clock's late (laughs) i mean i guess we'll get into overall thoughts towards the uh the end of the episode once again this is just kind of the first four episodes of an eight episode season right yeah, eight episodes. We figured uh, well, originally, I think we were going to think about doing it show uh, like a weekly type thing. Yeah, uh, but I mean, they dropped three, and we're already at the fourth episode, and only eight episodes. So I mean, it's kind of we're halfway through. So we figured we'll do a kind of a mid-show uh, review, then a kind of a, a closing. What our final thoughts were on it sounds good. So as far as where we left off. Uh, with season one of The Boys, just to kind of give a little minor recap. You know, when we left off, we had Butcher, who's kind of the arch enemy of all soups, right? And he kind of recruited The Boys. And we had Homelander, which has kind of ended up being the main villain, the main antagonist of this story, who's like, what if Superman was a sociopath? <laughs> right? He's just like so weird and has so many issues. But it turns out that Butcher's wife, who he had thought was dead at the hands of Homelander all these years, was actually just fine and kind of living in a beautiful prison, as he calls it later, uh, in a nice house and kind of forced to have a child with Homelander and raise him while Homelander kind of went off and did a superhero thing and he, she was kind of kept as a secret. Uh, so he reveals this to Butcher, you know, he kind of drops him in the front yard and, you know, and he, and he relishes, he really takes pleasure in showing Butcher that his wife was alive and, you know, kind of his captive. And that's where we left the show last time that's where it cut to black you know throughout the whole off season we're wondering like how the heck does butcher get out of this situation because homelander could just do whatever he wants right i mean he could just rip butcher in half if he wants so where does that uh, leave us what happened to butcher uh well i mean like like you were kind of saying uh butcher was laying in the, uh, the front yard yeah he sees becca come out for the first time and he's kind of in complete shock that she's alive then he sees a child so he, his head is swimming. Right. And then, uh, we, we mean, you pretty much covered how it ended. Uh, it goes ahead and picks up, you know, season two. And he's laying like in a, like a Frickers type parking lot. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's trying to figure out what's going on. Doesn't know where he is. He goes in there. He winds up getting like a kid's menu and a crayon. Right. And he just starts writing down everything that he remembers. Yeah. So he can kind of trace his way back to Becca. Oh, and he uh, got deep. To... If you started reading some of those notes, he was like listing... Not only like the color of the house, but which way the wind was blowing, the the type of grass that was in the front yard. Like he got real deep with them details. <laughs> well, I mean, you kind of have to if you think about it. Yeah. But uh, it's nuts. I, I don't know how much of what, what Homelander actually knew, like how long he knew before he had a kid. Yeah. Because I think that whole other like compound where the was kind of keeping control of him kind of. Yeah. Kept this from him. Oh, yeah. And then he found out. And then when he found out, you know, who it was and everything, that's when he was like, you know, I'm going to pile on this dude. Uh, once he was at, you know, Stillwater's house and, you know, then her head went hollow and then he blew the place up. That's where my memory's a little bit uh, blurry because I guess it was Vought. I guess it was this company that kind of, uh, I think they were trying to make a sequel to Homelander, but do it better because they, they knew they kind of screwed the pooch when it came to Homelander, how they raised him oh, yeah. uh, from the get-go and they kind of turned him into the sociopath. So I feel like they wanted to, you know, have another Homelander, but have him raised as like a normal boy to kind of give him, you know, <laughs> some common sense and some to empathy. fix their screw ups. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd forgotten about that. Wow. And and then Homelander found out about it. And then, you know, that's where uh, hell kind of came down. In this season, you see Becca, uh, Butcher's wife, 
you know, really kind of freak out. Like, you know, according to her, she was supposed to have like no dealings with Homelander at all. But, uh, you know, that changed. But anyway, yeah, Butcher, he finds himself dropped off at this uh, outside this restaurant parking lot, writing down all the details. I guess uh, Becca made some sort of a deal where it was like, hey, you need to let him live. Otherwise, I'm going to kill myself in front of your boy, and yeah. he's going to grow up as screwed up as you are. He, she didn't say that, really, but it was enough for Homelander to kind of have agreed to it, you know, a one-time-only deal. Yeah, we find that out later in, what, episode four, which is like, uh, the only reason you got away is because I said I was going to kill myself in front of him. Brutal. And uh, that deal was a one-time thing, so uh, she's like, she's begging him to get out of there. Once she finds me, once once he finds her again, I mean, he's uh, she's over the moon. Yeah. But, I mean, we're kind of, we're, we're getting ahead a little bit here. Butcher was actually trying to go ahead and catch one of these supervillains. Yeah. The turn in to go ahead and get this information. So he was kind of playing, you know, I'll swap information for you type deal. And it went sideways. Uh, they, they they didn't get the supervillain. Or super terrorist. <laughs> super terrorist, yeah. It was yeah. going back and forth depending on who you asked in the season <laughs> so far. But yeah, but uh, Melroy uh, decided to go ahead and give him the information on where she was. And even warned him and said, she's in this compound from Vault. I mean, uh, if you try to go there, it's pretty much suicide. Yeah. And he was like, he was hesitant to even take the information because he didn't actually, you know, fulfill his side. But then she was like, all these people that are dying because of these super, you know, superheroes per se are basically people in the audience in her nightmares looking at her on the stage. And she doesn't want to have any more of these, you know, people staring at her for her screw ups for not being able to, you know, put a stop to this. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I mean, Butcher, you know, the agreement was that he was going to bring her one of these super terrorists, which, you know, like you said, it went sideways. He wasn't able to do it and kind of complete his end of the deal. She ends up giving the information as to where Becca is anyway, because she was like, you know, hey, you know, I'll have one less face in this nightmare of mine. Um, as far as, you know, people that have died at the hands of superheroes, she just kind of gives it to him out of the episodes of him kind of going over this information and just desperate to to find her once again. But yeah, he ends up going back to her and, and finding her again. And you can tell and Becca could tell that the way he was talking, his plans were just to run away with him and Becca. And he it, he didn't have any plans for the boy. Well, nothing to do with the kid. Nope. And uh, I mean, that's her son. So, I mean, of course, the mother's going to want to bring her boy along. And uh, it just didn't end well. I mean, they they came together. They they hugged in, in secret and hiding. Uh, she had to, like, secretly drive away from the house. And kind of, they kind of met under this bridge in the cover of night. They had a whole Titanic moment, you know, steaming window, hand coming they down. They did. <laughs> a lot of uh, lost years there. They were catching up. But, yeah, there was something that he said. You know, she kind of pushed the fact that he wasn't planning on bringing him and she knew it. And he slipped up and he said something along the lines of some, you know, super freak or something. Yeah. Uh, and, he, you know, he called the boy a, a basically a superhero slur uh, that did not go well, of course, with Becca. So she just ended it. So all this time, Butcher's, you know, major character arc, kind of his uh, overriding uh, modus operandi here to his character was like getting revenge for the death of Becca. And then he recently found out, you know, she was alive. And then his big goal was to find her again and save her from this predicament. And he finally gets so close and, you know, because of his own hatred, basically, which is what she said, the hate that he carries yeah. with him. Um, she was like, we can't do this. I got to stay here with my boy and there's no way that I'm going to be with you in this state. And, uh, yeah, so he's back to square one. Like, what does Butcher do from here besides maybe rededicate himself to the other boys? Yeah, no, he's 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 got to be lost. I mean, the way his basically his arc to this point has ended was he was exiting and uh, Black Noir was actually looking for him. He was, you know, and I'm enjoying sitting in that room scaring the crap out of that, <laughs> you know, that attendant girl. But yeah, he's sitting there and he sees him. And next thing you know, because she goes, holy crap. Right. And then Noir looks and sees him, and then he flips off double birds to the, the camera <laughs> and walks away. And that's kind of how the, his arc ended to this point at the, the mid-season here, season four. But, yeah, uh, dude, I love and hate Butcher the most. Oh, me too. I think of, of all characters, he's the biggest ass. Oh, sure. And he's the most caring. Right. In his own weird all, way. Of all of them. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's what I love about the show so much. I mean, outside of the soups, the the boys themselves, they feel real. Yeah. You you feel the the fight amongst family members, you feel that they care about each other. They right. want to see each other, you know, you know, move forward and not die. I mean, Huey wants to get MM back to his family right. in the worst way. 
And then Huey wants to get back to Annie. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's these are you know other things that are down the show here. But uh, I want to see what they do next with Butcher because it's like you said, we're back to you know episode one when A Train runs through uh, Huey's girlfriend. <laughs> right. I mean, we're right back to where we were just originally introduced to him. So where where does his psyche go from here? Exactly. Yeah. He's kind of a blank slate again, which is very interesting, especially since we have a whole half of a season left to see where he goes from here. But kind of to rewind a little bit, I mean, that was sort of the uh, the full arc of the first four episodes for Butcher. When he disappears from the boys and they don't know where he went, they only know that they are wanted men and Butcher is nowhere to be found. Uh, they're kind of lost from the get go. I mean, you've got Huey. No, they're sleeping under a porn shop. Oh, right. Was it a pawn shop or a porn shop? I I think I heard porn, but I may have been pawn. (laughs) That might have been Butcher's uh, accent. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, they're sleeping underground somewhere. I mean, some facility where, you know, they're they're with some some 'er ne'er-do-wells that apparently uh, they find out later are human trafficking because they, they come across some surveillance video. Of basically, you know, they're they're loading these people off of these ships, and the last person to get off the ship is kind of this hooded figure, who uses telepathy to like raise the ship and smash it down onto these kidnappers. The boys see this surveillance footage, and they're kind of blown away by it. Like there's, you know, basically a super terrorist, quote unquote, out there, and on on American shores, which is kind of a big deal. And it turns out this hooded figure ends up being uh, Kamiko's brother. So we find out a lot more about her. Yeah, no, that was huge. I I love her character. Her character, yeah, I do too. There, there's so much, and and the actor, I can't, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. She's amazing, yeah, because she's acting all this out with basically being nonverbal, yeah, I, completely. It's all you know, body language and everything she's doing, and we feel like what she's going through. We actually can have no issue with what what's happening because we can we can feel her her pain or excitement right. or whatever it is, and then when she sees her brother there in that uh, porn slash pawn shop. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, Butcher, back to Butcher, he was getting ready to shoot him. Right. And I think it was Huey that went ahead and knocked him aside. Or it was either Huey or it was a Frenchie. It was Huey. It was Huey? Yep. And then you see those two, you know, automatically connect. I mean, you see a personality come out of her that we haven't seen yet. Exactly. I mean, the talking back and forth, the sign language they have, and just the connection. And then all of a sudden, you know, Butcher still wants to take him out. And then, you know, they destroy that shop and they take off running. And it's, you know, it's game on with this guy. Yeah, so then it's basically a chase, right? I mean, he puts the boys down, uh, and Kamiko is very resilient. I mean, that's got to be part of her superpowers or whatever. She's just like, you think she's down and out, and then all of a sudden she pops up out of nowhere and she's back on top of you. Um, I don't know exactly what her powers are. She kind of reminds me of Wolverine a little bit, how she's just like tenacious and she just does not stop. But yeah, anyway, so, you know, she spots her brother, so of course she's not going to let him get away. And uh, they're finally able to catch up to the guy. How do they end up subduing him? I forget. Uh, well, she winds up tackling him. She holds him down. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then they go ahead and tie him up and uh, they go ahead and then they're going to try to go ahead and get to that meeting place. Right. Uh, which was on the boat. Now, we've seen this clip uh, during the <laughs> Comic-Con. We've seen this, you know, this clip where they're on the boat speeding away and all of a sudden the deep comes up and he's riding the whale and he sits in front of him all victorious and, you know, hands on, on hips and everything like, oh, I stopped you. And they go full bore into this whale <laughs> which is uh is awesome but what actually prompted all that was uh Frenchie went down to where they had this you know super villain uh Kamiko's brother downstairs and he's sitting down he and he's being you know being nice to him he's giving him some food uh he's trying to give him something to drink like I think it's like an energy drink of some sort right and he's, he's he asked him to go ahead and teach you know Frenchie the sign language so he can communicate with Kamiko and he doesn't I mean he's just resistant oh hell I will be too yeah, I'm not gonna help somebody out that's got me bound. Right. So Frenchie, the, you know, the idiot he is, he leaves the can in the room, and then he basically frees himself because he got his he got his finger free somehow. And then uh, he frees himself. And the next thing you know, it well, when Butcher's up, it's always goes back to Butcher. Right. Butcher is up topside. You know when they're celebrating uh, this you know thing that took place, which we'll get into here in a little bit. Uh, you know the anchor comes flying across, misses everybody, hits the police helicopter. Police helicopter goes down. Now they need to haul ass. Yeah. Because now they just killed these cops. Yeah, they're trying to be uh, discreet. Yeah, Huey wants to stay and help, but Mother's Milk and Butcher are like, we've got to go. Yeah. There's no sticking around to help him. And Huey throws a freaking life preserver behind him. <laughs> like, that's going to help. Yeah, if I could gather what his superpowers were, it was all had to kind of manifest from his hands. 
And the more that he was able to wave his hands around, the more, you know, like, the heavier objects he could lift. So just wiggling his finger was enough to get that soda can over to him and to to make his escape. But, uh, yeah, so now that this police helicopter is down, I mean, they're kind of spotted. and They know that the 7 is going to be heading there in no time because the 7, meanwhile, has been kind of on the lookout for this quote-unquote super terrorist because it kind of that's their, their new agenda is to, uh, you know, protect people against this super terrorist or whatever. So they know that the seven is on their way. They're going to be there quick. So after the crash, Deep is kind of recovering, you know, wobbling around. Um, <laughs> they the, the boys duck into this cave and they just start hauling ass. After which, I mean, we Huey kind of has a moment stuck inside the whale. It was so funny. Butcher called him Pinocchio. Um, but uh, yeah, Huey has a moment. You know, the past few episodes, Huey's really been dealing with some things where he just doesn't know where he is anymore. Like things are just not working out. Things are terrible. Uh, he's gotten kind of suicidal, um, and it kind of comes to a breaking point here in this whale where he basically tells M.M. and, and the rest of the boys just to, to leave him. Like, leave me here. He's he's ready for his fate. He's ready to, for Homelander just to land in front of him and tear him apart. Yeah, he's, like, he's done. <laughs> yeah, so Butcher, he's like, ah, screw it, and he just leaves him. And, you know, M.M., I keep wanting to call him Mother's Milk. Isn't that his full name? Mother's Milk is his real name. Yeah, they call him M.M. So M.M. has a different tactic where he goes to Huey and he's like, all right, if you're not leaving, then I'm not leaving. And, of course, this actually does work on Huey. I think M.M. has Huey's number. Uh, M.M.'s very insightful to, to the rest of the boys. Well, wasn't he a uh, like a prison guard Yeah. prior? So I mean, he has that way of knowing how to speak to somebody. Yeah. Definitely when they don't want to actually communicate back. Yeah. So he, uh, I think he's got a, his ways of being able to manipulate somebody and they're doing what they don't want to do. Oh, it was a guilt trip. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was like a mother's guilt trip. And it's like, it's perfect for his, I, I love his character. And this, the other stuff that Annie points out later in the season, how he's got like OCD and uh, just other stuff. And we start to learn a little bit more about, about his MM's dad, history, yeah. his dad and stuff. Like that stuff resonated. They did a real good job this season with really fleshing out these characters. I mean, I think the first season was really events driven and every episode was like, you know, had its holy crap moments and the story was enough to keep you enthralled. Um, not saying that it detracted from the characters at all, but season two, they really take some bites of the apple at like fleshing out these characters and it's, it's good. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, going back when they go into the, you know, those caves or the, like the drainage system yeah. in that area, I mean, they get in there and they start getting around and next thing you know, like all the seven are there. I mean, you have, you know, Homelander on the shore. Uh, they, yeah. <laughs> they run into uh, the deep and they're like, you know what? We're going to put you on the sidelines. You're not going any to stay out here. Stormfront's there. Starlight's there. I mean, Maeve's there. I mean, they're all they're all pretty much there and they're, they're hunting him down. Right. And something, what happens to Huey? Some, something happens to Huey and Huey winds up on his back. And next thing you know it, you know, Starlight's there and they're looking at him and then Homelander shows up. Yeah. And Homelander realizes who it is. And it's like, oh damn, not this dude again. And so he basically tells her to basically kill him right and she's like doing her best like to resist and she doesn't want to do it yeah and then butcher steps out of the shadows and basically confronts homelander and then he starts walking well he even he even like freaking eggs him on to Homelander's like yeah i was sitting at the table eating pancakes with your wife this morning yeah flicking his bastard. tongue as he said it <laughs> yeah like, homelander loves putting it on butcher man that was rough and he, butcher's just kind of walking out yeah then all that happens next thing you know it i, I figured something big was going to happen then you know, kamiko's brother comes in and just basically just co- collapses the ceiling and yeah they they get out of there and he takes off and the boys kind of escape into their own thing because you know the you know the seven are worried about the other you know the super villain type dude yeah so we we've talked about you know these other characters that we've known about for a while yeah I mean everyone that we've talked about has been in season one uh, how about our new soup what do you th- what do you think of Stormfront well the way we're introduced to Stormfront she's very social media savvy that's pretty apparent she's on Instagram doing a live video she apparently has a ton of followers that are all kind of clowning on Homelander and uh, you know giving her all sorts of praise the which memes we, are great oh yeah the memes later in the season are really cool too they're funny but yeah she's like smarmy you could tell that she is probably pretty powerful the way that she treats Homelander as just kind of like he doesn't scare her 
No, not at all. She's not afraid of anybody. She's not afraid of any of these seven. And she's just like, she's like, yeah, whatever about everything, which is really kind of strange because it seems like everybody that's been in the seven so far has been like, you know, kind of awestruck to be there. Like, oh, I can't believe I'm in the seven. That's the way Starlight was. You know, even A-Train and they all kind of have this reverence of like, you know, it's very important to be in the seven. But she's just like, so whatever about it. Um, You know, she could care less. If she wasn't in the seven, she'd be off doing something else. Yeah, she's probably making a money ton of money on youtube and social media <laughs> a social influencer so i mean she doesn't need the money from vault yeah so here's the thing about stormfront these first couple of episodes her introduction you really kind of like her because she puts it to homelander she's smarmy she's funny she doesn't give a crap and usually you know we like we're drawn to characters like that mm-hmm. um and then, of course, I mean, people that know the books, they know this character a bit more. But uh, apparently her origins are not so great, right? Yeah, no. I mean, this was a actually a male character in the uh, in the comics and everything, which it went and turned to a female for the show itself. Yeah. I mean, the background of a neo-Nazi and you know, a huge racist and everything. It's like, oh, man, a, a character that I want to like. Right. But I can't. I, I, I don't want to like at the exact same time. It, it, quite frankly, it fits perfect in the seven. Yeah, like I, I kind of want to like the deep because he's he's getting the getting the shaft now. I guess the like, <laughs> way of putting it. I don't uh, know, <laughs> but but <laughs> but I don't want to like him because the way he did to Starlight, right? Or you know what I mean? Or there's Maeve. I want to like her, but she won't stand up for herself. Exactly. Yeah, and just kind of goes along with everything. And it's if you're not standing up for it with the power you have, you're then complicit to what's happening for sure. And Maeve, I think you hit it spot on. I mean, I've, I'm most sympathetic to her. Because I feel like all she wants to do is live a normal life with her girlfriend and kind of go off. And I feel like even if she was out of the seven, she'd probably be a decent hero. But she just feels trapped and like she just is subservient to Homelander because she's so afraid. So, I mean, she's kind of a victim in all this. But at the same time, like, you know, she's like you said, she's also not using the power that she has to get herself out of the situation and to help and to get others out of the situation, too. So even the most sympathetic of the these superheroes in the seven, they all have their flaws where it's just like... Like, man, I wish you could just do better. <laughs> Dude, I'm really, really hoping we get more from Black Noir. Oh, we I, will. That That's a character I really want to know the most about. He's like the, the just a scary guy sitting in a corner. Yeah. And, you can, and he's another one. He doesn't talk, but you get that emotion and everything when you see him. The, the little bits we're getting from him. Yeah. His character is, is awesome. Yeah, he's kind of a he's kind of a weird mixed bag, right? Because he's he's kind of like childlike in some ways. How like he he wrote out the note to that one lady in crayon, and you know when he went and assassinated that super terrorist across the sea. How he kind of yeah. stopped with that kid and played with her bunny for a second. So there's something up with him, almost like he's got the mentality of like you know like a six year old or something. Um, but he's also like this super scary killer and half of his character is just like watching the characters around him interact and be frightened of him. So, you know, that like, (laughs) he's He's gotta be a badass and they just haven't unleashed him yet in the show. Yeah. I feel like even Homelander, there've been times where he just like would rather just not. Doesn't want to deal with with him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, think about it. If you can blow up a building and it just kind of marks him a little bit. Right. What would, what would Homelander's laser vision do to him? Yeah. I'm thinking not much. Maybe give him a little bit of a cut. Right. So then it comes down to like, I mean, they're going to go at it, which yeah. would be uh, which would be interesting. I've got a feeling we're going to see something, if not now. And this may be my ignorance to the rest of the show, which or, or the comics, which I'm I may want to start looking into. I mean, there's this one here. Oh, I'm so tempted. And there's another one. But see, the thing is, it's it kind of falls in line with uh, like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. You know, these these movies and series that uh, I knew nothing about. Walking Dead when I first watched it. Yep. I, I started watching it and was like, I know there's source material out there. But do I want to dive into the source material and possibly ruin what I'm loving on TV? Yeah, that's the conundrum that I'm facing, too, where part of me really wants to dive into the graphic novels, you know, the collections of the books for the boys, so just so I can read the continuing story. But I'm just loving the show so much and how they're just divvying out these cool plots and stuff. I don't know. We'll see. Either way, I'm I'm not going to be reading anything before the second half of this season, so uh, I'll just keep watching the show. <laughs> yeah, but getting back to Stormfront, I mean... She's the one that's kind of stealing the spotlight. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's out there. She's in front of the crowds. Uh, I think one of the lines she told Homelander was, yeah, you have fans, but I've got an army. Right. I mean, they're they're ready to go to war for her. Yeah. 
So, and then, I mean, you see, I mean, she has, I think it's like the end of episode four. Yeah. Where she has that big rally. The spotlight's on her. Uh, once again, uh, Homelander's watching her on TV. He's fuming. When, like, everyone should be focusing on him. They're focusing on her. And he's kind of being pushed aside. Right. And he's starting to, I mean, you see, he's going to go, like, freaking nuclear. Yeah. And you're, and you're waiting for it. And, I mean, she she lifts herself up on these lightning bolts. And then she, like, bolts away like like Homelander would. Yeah, exactly. She's growing and growing in popularity. To get back to kind of where we were in the story. So, like, you know, the boys fled. Um, Kamiko's chasing after her brother. Her brother's trying to flee. They end up finding, kind of going into this uh, small town. And uh, the seven are on the chase. I mean, Homelander says, you know, if any of you find him. I'm the one to kill him. So, you know, basically hold him because he wants the glory. Of course, he's a glory yeah. hog. Um, so, you know, they're chasing him. They find the, their way to this apartment building, Kamiko and her brother. And I forget his character's name, but I'll just <laughs> refer to him as Kamiko's brother. Uh, okay. Apparently, I won't have to learn it because he's not around too much longer. Um, yeah, no. He has a pretty uh, gruesome ending. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're you know, making their way up to this apartment building. And not only is Stormfront giving chase... But she is, like, zapping and killing civilians just left and right. People that aren't even, like, in her way, really. She just happens to be in their apartment, and they're staring at her in a weird way, um, just, like, surprised and shocked, as anybody would be. And she just, out of nowhere, just, like, kills him, you know, out of the blue. Yeah. No thought given to it. And this is the turn where you see her for the kind of person that she actually is. Yeah, apparently there was something that took place in episode three, but episode four was very clear. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there was no covering it up. This, this to me, this apartment scene was her airplane. Right. So, I mean, she's going through and she finally, can, you know, comes face to face with uh, Kamiko's brother and, yep. you know, up on the, uh, on the roof. And really quick, she grabs his hands and, uh, wow, does she snap the snot out of them? Oh, yeah. And she's real sadistic about it, too. Yeah. She's like, if all your power comes from your hands, she just ripped them basically off. I mean, once again, it's another Huey Holton hands. Yeah. I mean, they love the hand scenes. They do. <laughs> and of course, Kamiko is hiding and watching this thing in horror. Um, so you know that's going to kind of drive her character arc with the rest of the season. It's just her revenge against Stormfront. Yeah. Then uh, she goes ahead and says something down the lines of, I like seeing the lights go out or something like that. And yeah. she winds up killing him. And then Homelander comes in and he is furious. Basically, yeah. she calls, so you should have been here earlier, Pops, and basically <laughs> walks away. <laughs> yeah, and he can't do anything about it. He's so, like, emasculated. I, I think this is a good change. And, of course, I haven't read the books. I don't know the male character Stormfront from the books. But I think making her a woman just adds to that defiance. It adds to that disgust that Homelander has, that not only is he being upstood, but he's being upstood by this woman who's who's winning at everything that he seems to be losing at currently. So it drives the knife even deeper into him. Yeah, because, I mean, for the for the most part, he has Maeve and Starlight under his thumb. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to do anything or, or, you know, step out into his way. And he loves that. Now that Stormfront's there, she's like, nope, I'm doing my way. And uh, I don't care what you think. Yeah. And seeing that uh, um, Edgar, the, head, the new head dude, we haven't even talked about him yet. Yeah, Gustavo Fring, uh, Moff Gideon. You know, we just kind of saw him briefly in season one, but he's got a lot more in the season. Well, I mean, this all ties back into the first time they see Stormfront when she walks up with her phone. Yeah. To the, the head guy, uh, you know, Edgar told me. And he's like, oh, you've seen Homelander fuming. And then you've seen Maeve like, uh-oh. Yeah, she knew that. <laughs> can, we just, can we wrap this up so I can get out of here? This is going to go, uh, this is going to get bad quick. And then, you know, they had their whole confrontation where he was like, you know what? I don't have to run nothing by you. Right. You you are with this company. I run this company. Then he asked him, like, you know, what do you think Vault is? And the home that kind of comes back with him about being the seven. He's like, no, nothing to do with the seven. This is a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. And basically, basically put him in his place. Like, you know what? I'll run this company as I see fit and I don't have to run any decisions by you. Yeah. Which once again, we're still, that was one of my questions I was wondering between seasons is that what does this character, Edgar, what kind of power and insurance does he have against somebody like Homelander? Because he also is somebody that's just not afraid of Homelander whatsoever. So I, I think, wonder if he has any of that uh, compound V in him and we just don't know it yet. If he's actually a super and just keeps it on the down low. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder that myself. That's probably a good thought. 
Or or he kind of has Stormfront in his corner. Could be, yeah. So it, it could be that too. So I mean, it could be you know he has his own eyes and ears in you know on floor not what's it floor ninety nine I think it is where the soups are. Yeah, it's so funny. It's like floor ninety nine is you know the, the top of the building and you think that's where the action's going, but apparently the real action is on like floor eighty four where <laughs> all these CEOs and uh, Edgar hang out. That's where the real brains of the operation <laughs> is. Hey, this is a good spot for us to take a quick break. So we'll be right back. Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jam, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. And we're back. We're back, baby. But yeah, we, we were talking about, you know, Edgar and everyone involved. And, but I mean, we had a, a pretty big storyline hit. I think it was like episode one, basically when Butcher was still gone. Uh, Huey and Starlight or Annie was trying to bring down Vault. Yeah. And they were like, you know what? What's the easiest way to bring them down? Get get Compound V out. Yeah. Break that news story. Yeah. Let everyone know what's going on. That soups weren't, no, aren't born. They're not picked by God. They are, you know, they are made. Created in a lab by this company. <laughs> yeah. So they got that out. And that's when we had a, a big uh, confrontation between Starlight and uh, A-Train, which I loved this, conver- this conversation that took place in her, like, apartment or whatever they want to call it. Mm-hmm. When he finds out that she has, you know, Compound Compound V, and eventually you see that turn in her character. She's like, you know what? Screw you. Yeah. You're not going to do anything because you're screwed too. She was like, you let me go. And uh, what? how does that look on you? She basically takes Stormfront's advice to her earlier in the season. Grow a set, yeah. <laughs> where she was just like, you know, you're powerful. Don't be anybody's bitch was kind of like the advice. Um, and she took it and she, it's kind of changed her mindset for, for good or bad. You know, Stormfront's pretty awful character, but it seems, it seems to help Starlight's Annie's self-confidence getting through the halls of that tower. But yeah, I mean, like you were saying, the uh, Stormfront, the girl power thing between her, Maeve, and and Starlight. But even Maeve wasn't even sticking around for that that interview. She's like, she found out, (laughs) you know, uh, girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, wannabe, you know, relationship because she's pushed aside because of a Homelander for all intents and purposes uh, was hurt. So she bounced and, you know, dropped into her Clark Kent type setup, which... I mean, really, if you really looked hard enough, you'll know who it was. <laughs> she, oh, yeah. She doesn't all hide these, very hard. All of these people in the seven, they kind of walk around the streets with a uh, hoodie and without their, like, platform boots on. But all you have to do is look at them and <laughs> realize that they're superheroes. Yeah, you'll know who it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so she takes off to go meet this old friend that she really wants to have a relationship. And the girl's like, you know what? If we're not going to do this in the open, I'm not going to do it, period. Right. And, uh, well, I mean, that's that's understandable why you don't want to hide, you know, in the shadows and be ashamed of what you're doing. But uh, she's hiding it from Homelander, which uh, Homelander basically, I mean, we know he's a psychopath. Right. We know what Homelander is. I mean, abs- you know, the first season of the show made it very clear of what his intentions were. And, you know, the seven is his. He was he's going to lead it. He's just going to be almighty God. Yeah. But uh, there was a scene that threw me at first. He shows up at this cabin, and next thing you know, it you see Stillwell there. Oh my god, this shocked me, dude. I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, for a minute there, I didn't. I, th- I thought she was alive. Yeah, Elizabeth Shue was back on the show. Yeah, what did we do here, man? It was creepy as hell. I mean, I guess he's like was friends with someone. Well, friends uh, is a, probably a very bad way of putting it. <laughs> But with a like a shapeshifter dude. Doppelganger. And he's laying there and he's like laying in this dude's lap and looking up and she's in like lingerie and there's breast milk and there's this, man, it's creepy as hell. And then he changes back. He's like, I can't hold it for this long. Yeah. And it turns out he's just like this middle-aged chubby dude (laughs) sitting on the couch in lingerie. Oh, man. And Homelander immediately like pops up out of his position and was like, change back now. So he's been using this guy as his own way of kind of bringing Elizabeth Shoes character back to life but man yeah there's a you know a point i mean he goes back a couple times and there's one point where she, 
while the conversation is, you know, you have to go ahead and, you know, weed the garden and go ahead and get rid of the weak links of the seven. Which is in pe- pretty much the entire team, according to him. Like, just burn it all down and start fresh with new people. Start over, yeah. And that's when you you were mentioning when uh, he went out and outed Maeve for being gay yeah. and his, her girlfriend uh, on live TV <laughs> with um, Maria Menounos. So that was uh, that was something she was shocked. Well, Maeve this entire time has been trying to keep this relationship under wraps for multiple reasons. One, I mean, I think the look out there is that maybe Homelander and Queen Maeve are sort of an item, you know, the will they won't they almost like Wonder Woman and Superman kind of deal. Um, and Vaught and the press use that kind of thing for popularity. And two, I mean, Maeve doesn't want Homelander to know about this woman. Like, that is dangerous. And she says as much uh, to her girlfriend. Like, you know, he will kill you kind of deal. So when Homelander reveals, you know, on national TV during Maria Menounos talking to her, (laughs) that not only does he kind of reveal her, you know, her sexual preferences or whatever to national TV, which is a, a secret, but the fact that he knows exactly who this person is and uh, boy, you could see the shock on her face. She didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, no. But I, I think more than anybody in the seven, she knows how to roll with it live. Yeah, she's very good at that. She's she's very savvy when it comes to like a live feed in front of a camera. She doesn't blink. And to appease Homelander, she knows what to say to get her out of a situation to kind of like roll out of his gaze. You know what I mean? Like if if he's pissed or if he's inquisitive to her, she knows what to do to kind of like jujitsu her way out of it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but that gets back. I mean, so he now outed her. Well, A-Train's going for a meeting. And uh, he's just going up with management and they call him in and they tell him everything's fine. So he's like, okay, what's this all about? And Homelander walks in and says, you're out. Yeah, he saw another speedster in the hallway. I think it was the same speedster that he had a race with in season one. Yeah. And he's like, what the hell is this guy doing here? So he goes, he storms up there and uh, yeah, at first they're not going to tell him, but Homelander, he he doesn't care. Like we said, he's kind of going through a phase where he he wants to almost get rid of every team member and start fresh. So he's like, you know, he's very genial about it. He's like, hey man, you did a good job, but I can tell what's going on with you. It's your heart. You can't run. Yeah. You're maybe, you're not even in the top 10 speedsters right now. So of course you can't be in the seven. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, of, of all interactions of all the season, past season and this season here, when it comes to an interaction, that was probably the kindest. Oh yeah, like interaction we've seen because he flat out even told me it's like he's almost looking out for him. Right, he's like you can't run and it's your heart. So if you try to run, you can kill yourself. Yeah. So it's almost like the most human like thing he's done to this point. Yeah, their relationship's kind of weird too because I mean, Atrian was literally like running errands for Homelander to get this whole super villain, super terrorist, you know, plot started with passing out that compound V. Uh, so you know they were kind of you know in it together, and he is the most humane. You know he doesn't really he's not you know real crappy towards them, but he is blunt. He's yeah. just like you know essentially I don't have any use for you anymore. So bye. Yeah, yeah. So that happened, and then he runs into uh, Starlight in an elevator, and this this was shitty. Yeah, I mean he he hit the stop button, and he just gets, immediately chokes her. Yeah, I mean it almost had essences like back to the deep in the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, it was that bad. And then she put on that, she put on that Queen Maeve face. Yeah. And basically told him, you know, a blunt lie that was so believable that he was like, yeah, you're not lying to me. And that scared the shit out of her. Oh, yeah. She was terrible. And who wouldn't be? I mean, Homelander is scary. Like he's, in a lot of ways, he's a coward and he's just like, you know, sipping on the milk and the little bottles and stuff. Like he's like this wretched character. He's so powerful that, you know, and he's unpredictable, almost like the Joker. You just don't know what he's going to do from moment to moment that, you know, he's terrifying. So for her to get out of this elevator alive was a big bonus for her. Yeah. Well, she got in the elevator and she's like, I got to get out of town. Yeah. And that, and then that sent her on a, you know, a road trip with Huey and MM to go ahead and meet up with Liberty. Yeah. I thought they were like going to meet Liberty, but they end up not meeting Liberty. It's this other lady. Yeah. They wanted to find out information about Liberty. Yeah. So they jump in the car and uh, first of all, Huey's got to do his best sell job on MM to go ahead and let Starlight come along or Annie at this point because she's no longer in her uniform. <laughs> yeah. Which isn't much of a uniform you think about. It. I mean, they made that thing as skimpy as they could uh, you know, for purposes of the seven. It's hilarious. She's like a foot taller when she's Starlight versus when she's just like in her civilian clothes. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but he put the sell job on and uh, he con- they convinced Mother's Milk to go ahead and uh, let her come along. She's like, you know what? I got family out that way. I'm going to tell them, you know, I'm out that way because there's a tracker on her. Yeah. So they're going to know know where she is he's like no this is stupid there's no way this is going to happen you this is one of the most riskiest things we can do right 
and uh, he goes along with it, and they're driving, and dude, the, the music part. They turned on the music, and like she's like, nope, don't want that one. Don't want that one. And he was like, you got a great voice. She's like, shut up. I want nothing. Uh, yeah, because on the radio, it's her song that she sang at that benefit concert for Translucent, uh, where that was so funny. They had like an empty glass casket where you know there was nothing in there. <laughs> nothing. Like, oh, my God. How like funny was that? <laughs> um, but, yeah, she sang this, like, you know, stupid song that you could tell that the general public was just you know eating up but that like you know three different stations were playing it at the same time and she finally settled on billy joel's we didn't start the fire yeah and that was funny yeah so all of a sudden you have uh huey in the back starts singing it and then she starts he's like holy crap i love this girl yeah that was the <laughs> moment that he realized that he was actually in love i think that was the yeah. moment and then you see mother uh, mm look in the mirror like dude <laughs> then he shuts it off. So this is not a road trip. Right. You guys are not dating. <laughs> they get to their destination. They don't find Liberty, but they do find uh, an older woman that's kind of living in this apartment by herself. At first, she wants nothing to do with them. And M.M., he decides to kind of be truthful with her at the front door, starts talking about his father, who was a lawyer, and, you know, decided to go up against Vaught, and it basically killed him. Uh, you know, he worked so hard, it wasn't going away that one day, you know, he just went downstairs and saw his father hunched over the typewriter dead. And, you know, Vaught had to have something to do with it. I was going to say, yeah. Do you think that they did it? Oh, yeah. Or do you think he just did it? Like his heart gave out or something? No, I'm pretty certain. I mean, Vaught has all these soups at their disposal. Who knows what kind of super they had working for them at this point. They could have just, any one of them could have just phased in, kill him and phased out. I think it would be pretty easy for him. Yeah, that, that was kind of my feeling as well. I was just kind of curious what you thought. Yeah. So basically he says that, you know, he's inherited this fight against Vaught. Now he's taking the fight to them too, just to kind of in a different way. And it was enough for her to kind of let Annie, Huey, and M.M. into her home. And she tells her own story of uh, her interaction with this superhero, Liberty, uh, who was a superhero back in the... 60s, I guess, because mm -hmm. they say something about a time like maybe 40, 50 years ago. So I think this roughly happened in maybe the late 60s. Her brother was driving her around. It became immediately rainy, which was kind of the first clue who the real identity of Liberty is. He pulls over and he sees this superhero, uh, Liberty, kind of standing in the middle of the road. And she basically just like kills him. She beats the hell out of him. She calls him a racial name. Uh, so you could tell where her allegiances are mm -hmm. and kind of her preferences for people, right? And and she just like basically punches a hole through his face. I mean, it's so gory. Luckily, you know, the little girl at the time, she gets away. But she's, of course, you know, just traumatized by this whole thing, seeing what happens to her brother. And, you know, you know, the boys are kind of listening on. And they're, you know, they're they're entranced by her story. And they're like, well, you know, there's no way that this this Liberty lady is going to hurt you now. She's got to be long dead by now. But no, the uh, the lady that's telling the story, she points to the paper at a picture of Stormfront. And she's like, nope, this is her. She's apparently still alive and still looking about 28. And <laughs> yeah, you know, completely different uh, character, but the same lady. That I mean, that's what got me. I was like, okay, so Liberty is now Stormfront. Yeah, what's what's going on here? Does she not age? How how old is she? How far back does she go? Right, is she like a Captain America almost? Yeah, like you know, she's been alive for like a hundred plus years, and that's why nothing scares her. Like she's come up against anything, and she like her powers are so strong that Homelander's just like, you know what? He's just another you know power hungry dude that I can deal with later. Yeah, or some kid. I mean, it's like when you when you've lived that long, safe storm from it is is actually like eighty years old. You think she'd be intimidated by the sim, you know this thirty five year old guy? Like she's been around the block. Like she carries herself that way. <laughs> yeah. So those things kind of like snap into place for you once you realize that these people are the same. Well, yeah, you've seen it when she was in the office with him. Yeah. And she's antagonizing him. And oh yeah. Bringing and moving him to the point where his eyes start glowing. And she kind of backs off a little bit, but she's she's so uh, passive aggressive. Oh, yeah. And she is manipulating him to death oh, in that yeah. office. Yeah. It is hilarious on how like how she like twists him. And, and that's what we go back to. It's like, you know what? I, I hate thinking I like this character in any way because I don't like the undertones. I don't like her background. I don't Especially like the revelations in this episode. Yeah. yeah. I just like her interactions between Homelander. I think that's the only reason I kind of hold on to a little bit. It's like kind of putting him in his place. But you know what? You look at two pieces of crap 
They're both crap. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If you look, yeah, you have two turd sandwiches. So yeah, who cares? different shades of color, different consistency, but it, they're both pieces of crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're no, they're absolutely no different from each other. Right. So, yeah, I mean, we learned that and it's, it's kind of, I want to see where that goes. Like, okay, we know she's Liberty. We haven't seen Liberty in so long. What can they bring up? Like, is that something that they can feed to Starlight and Starlight can get, give the Homelander to kind of help her within the seven to kind of you know help homelander with his fight against her yeah so that that's something i think that, that where we may go with that but who knows i mean honestly I, I didn't see this coming and like you said we don't we are we don't know the actual novel the graphic novel so we didn't know of this character until they went ahead and dropped the trailer on us yeah so really kind of crazy revelations there which was very very cool so mm annie and huey they get back into town uh from this road trip and annie does something a little unexpected she actually kind of breaks it off with huey Mm-hmm. Um, which Huey was almost kind of readying himself to do himself earlier in the season where he was just, you know, coming to the realization that the deeper he was bringing her into this sort of thing, the more danger it put her the in. More danger. And, but uh, yeah, he couldn't do it because he realized on this trip how much he loved her. But, you know, you get it from the other end now. I think on this road trip, Annie came to realize the same thing, that she really cared about Huey and she was in too deep and she was kind of, you know, putting him in danger the, the closer that they got. So she breaks it off with him in the street. So it's like kind of like with Butcher, you know, earlier, he's kind of back to square one. You know, the things that he was living for kind of out now. <laughs> like he's got, you know, almost nothing to live for, no, no fuel to his fire. And Huey, the same thing. I mean, he's almost like it by default. All he has to do is go back to the boys now without Annie being like his, this guiding light. So that's really kind of where we leave all of these characters in really interesting places. I mean, you've got Huey and Butcher both kind of back to square one within the boys. You've got Kamiko, and she is dead set on revenge against Stormfront. Uh, you've got this evolving information as far as who Stormfront is as a character. You've got Homelander and how the heck he's going to deal with Stormfront and you've got just some of the other plot points that we have yet to find out like exactly you know what is fought who is Edgar and what kind of insurance does he have against Homelander and you know a lot of more key details going into the second half of the season yeah I think they're hinting at some type of big battle between Homelander and uh, Stormfront yeah so I mean that's got to be a finale there's no way they can do that and not be a finale right so we'll see how that goes and you know how they're building but it, that's going to be it's going to be something crazy of those two going at it which, should, which should be, it's going to be a fun it's going to be something fun to watch. And cinematically, it's got to be awesome. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I know you and I, of course, we both like, you know, the first half of this season, season two. Uh, I think that's pretty evident by the way we've been, you know, talking and glowing about <laughs> Just it kind of here about it. the last hour. But here's my question to you. Do you think the first half of season two lives up to season one? Beyond. Oh, really? I've actually enjoyed season two more than season one for the reasons that you kind of hinted towards earlier. Yeah. It's breathing. Right. Like season one, it was all based on action. Starlight coming in, A train running through uh, Huey's girlfriend. Yeah. You know, the, the meeting, you're bringing mother's milk in your Frenchie. You know, the battle at the end between Starlight and A train. Uh, it was just go, go, go. You didn't, some of the episodes were so heavy that you couldn't watch to. Yeah. Because you had to stop it so you can kind of. Almost let your chest kind of loosen because it was yeah. it was kind of it was that that tight. it was a breakneck pace. This one here, just, I mean, just the car trip alone and stopping at the hotel before they get to you know a location where they're going to talk to that lady about uh, liberty. That by itself would not exist in a season one, right? Because I mean, you were trying to build so much so fast. This you're able to find out. You've seen you know, MM's like little little ticks he has his OCD thing. You've seen the characters actually interacting. Uh, mm just looking in the mirror and not have to say anything and you know what he's saying through his eyes yeah or you have the you know that point where they're on the boat and they're talking and you know butcher comes back and tells you know huey to take the headphones out so he can talk to him and and huey hits him barely i think he didn't flinch uh yeah butcher you could tell butcher could take that punch pretty easily (laughs) but i mean there was that there there's these human elements to this season so far Right. That we didn't get in the first one, which I think makes this show so much better now at this point than we were at, you know, season one. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. It's definitely appointment television. As far as, you know, the day it comes out, I'm going to have to, you know, keep up on it 
comes out on Fridays. But yeah, this season is really, like you said, it's giving it room to breathe. We have nuggets of information about character history. We have characters interacting with each other in interesting ways. We have a very interesting new character in Stormfront where, you know, sometimes you could take or leave a character that's introduced in season two. But, you know, I'm all for it. Just the the way that she interacts with Homefront and her, you know, her history, the mystery of uh, how the heck she's been alive this long. Uh, just complete, you know, the show is carrying mysteries and plot points to where you just, you know, keeps drawing you back where you want more and more. And I mean, what else can you ask for from a show? Yeah, exactly. Now, one thing I just kind of you know, dawned on me is what do you think of the way they're releasing it this year? Last year it was all dumped at once. This year you get the first three, which I think they should have only done two, though. I think yeah. three was a little much because you were at mid-season before you even realized it. Right. But they did the three. Then you have the one that just released this past Friday. Do you like it like that? Because you mentioned Appointment TV. Appointment TV doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Unless they specifically look to do it. I mean, The Mandalorian does it, and it works great. I mean, they're doing it now with the boys. I think it's something that I, I we've, we've kind of hit on this in a, on you know prior shows that we've done. But it gives us an opportunity to go ahead and either watch it again, to go ahead and maybe pick up something we didn't pick up the first time. Definitely, if like if you're doing like what we're doing here, right? People are going to go ahead and listen to what you know our opinion is on it. They make okay, they picked up on something I didn't. I'm going to go back and watch it again, yeah, to see if I can catch what they're talking about. It just gives time to bake, right? Before you get into the next, you know, the next episode. Oh, for sure, and I think that's the big difference between season one and season two. I mean, season one was just like a blast to the face. I mean, it was breakneck speed, and you know, you couldn't help but just to watch one episode after the other after the other. Um, and that's almost partially the fault because of the format that it was releasing. Like, you know, you didn't have time to marinate on these episodes in between, which you know, this season is different. You got it, the first few, and now, like we said, we're kind of you know in a week to week format to where we can really kind of follow these plot points, these mysteries, kind of. Have how they're fleshing out the story drop by drop in each of these episodes, which, you know, I grew up on television like that. You know, I remember Lost and shows like that just being enthralled and you couldn't wait until the next episode. And I, I love that about TV. You could have picked a better uh, example than Lost. Boo. Well, look, I was a Lost head. That <laughs> final season was a disappointment, but it didn't. Oh, second season on was a disappointment. Come on, let's be real. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy but i think it's you know this is a good time for us to go ahead and jump into that speedboat and crash ourselves right in that cheesy whale what do you think yeah let's do it okay cool well i've got one ready for you and it is going to be a cheese ball of a joke do you know yoda's last name uh i do not know yoda's last name liehu yoda liehu <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was okay. pretty good. Okay, so I got to stop real quick. I got to give credit where credit's due. That's from the Tobins. Chris Tobin went ahead and told that on this show. I had to steal. I heard it immediately. I was like, you know, that fits <laughs> us. Yeah, so as we all know, the NFL season is back and started this week. So I'm actually going to have a uh, NFL football-related uh, dad joke. You ready? Go for it. All right. What do you call 20 Dolphins fans in a basement? A can of tuna? <laughs> Close. A wine cellar. <laughs> see that's not fair he's taking a personal <laughs> shot at his co-host because he knows how big of a dolphins fan i am oh, what other that's... team could i pick come on oh the eagles uh the, the bears <laughs> i mean who, who's who's quarterback in the bears this year buddy oh i don't want to talk about it i don't want to yeah, talk about it of course you don't <laughs> okay okay fair game Oh yeah, I'll have a I'll have something bears related next oh, year. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Well, that's a couple of really bad jokes there. One personal shot. Uh, I see how it is. But uh, we've been uh, working on a few things here. We have some uh, you know our social media. I mean, Sean, you want to go ahead and talk socials? Yeah, let's do it. As always, join us on dadnarock.com. You're gonna find links to past episodes as well as all of our social media pages. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, as well as our shop, right? Go ahead and get on our shop. Get a onesie for your baby. Get a t-shirt. Get a Dadnarok mug. Buy it all up. Yeah, weather's going to be turning soon. You're going to need yourself a hoodie. Exactly. T Public. T Public. Search Dadnarok. You'll find us. D-A-D-N-A-R-O-K. Uh, you'll go ahead and you know, we'll pull it up. There's only one design right now. You know, our graphics designer, you know, on you know, Sean here hasn't uh, had time to design <laughs> a second shirt. Hey, he's been busy, man. What can I say? <laughs> but uh, you know what's coming up. The Mandalorian's coming back, season two. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, this this guy, you know, the clouds are parting. COVID did not affect our, you know, our baby Yoda at all. The sun is going to shine on his little glorious green face. Thank the maker. <laughs> and uh, it's coming back. We will be reviewing this. So keep your ears and eyes open to uh, how we'll be doing this. But uh, like I said, Daniel Rock will be uh, doing a episode by episode review. So yeah, more details to come. Absolutely. So I think that's a good place for us to go ahead and say this, uh, the Daniel Rock podcast signing off for the evening. Catch you guys next week. Your gill is showing covered up. It's disgusting. 